At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. And all focus shifts to this weekend's game, Liverpool versus Southampton in the Premier League. A 3pm kickoff on Saturday at Anfield, and the Reds will be heavy favourites, of course, to win this game. Coming in off back-to-back victories, in particular the win over Arsenal last weekend, which was so impressive, you would expect Liverpool to be playing at a high level. You would expect that there will be some changes to the team from midweek, potentially reverting to the team that played against Arsenal. Now, Allison will absolutely be in goal. Trent will be the right back. Virgil will be the left centre back. We know these things. There is a question mark at right side centre back. It could be Kanate. It could be Matip. Matip is probably the the favourite to start. But with Everton in the week, you'd wonder if maybe Klopp would go with Kanate. Left back, Costas or Robbo. Costas has played better than Robbo this season. But Robbo is the nominal starter. So will Klopp go back to that? In midfield, I think Thiago and Fabinho are absolute certainties. But then you have the Oxlade-Chamberlain or Henderson question. Henderson has not been good this season. Ox has been very good of late. The team has looked better with Ox in and Henderson out. But with the derby on the horizon, does Klopp want to give Henderson a start here to have him ready for Wednesday? Because you'd imagine he's going to start him in the derby one way or, or another. And up front then, Salah will start, Mane will start. Who is the third? Is it Jota? Is it Minamino? I suppose a lot depends on whether Jota is 100% fit or not. But I thought Taki did quite well in midweek and is maybe worth another look. Now, Klopp has given his press conference today and Bobby, Joe, Naby and Curtis all remain out. Obviously, Harvey Elliott out as well. Naby is back in training and hopefully will be back quite soon. Curtis probably in a little bit of time away with the eye injury. Joe Gomez is a curious one. Uh, we haven't heard a whole lot about him and what the injury is. Is it connected to the injury he suffered last season? We'll have to wait and see. And obviously Bobby then, the hamstring injury. You'd hope that Bobby will be back soon. But when it happened, Klopp did say, you know, it was a bad one and it could be a while. But everybody else is fit. So we do have options in midfield. We've got options up front. Divock is back, obviously, came on in the, in the week, so he's another option up front. 
So we've got five in that area. We've got five in midfield, including James Milner. Six, if you include Tyler Morton, who made his debut and did well uh, against Porto. And then we've got three options at centre-back, two at left-back. Only the one at right-back, only the one real option at right-back. Nico isn't challenging Trent in the same way that Costas is challenging Robbo or that Kanate is challenging Joel Matip. Um, the, straw, the, the squad looks pretty strong. Southampton will be without a couple of players. Uh, Jack Stevens is out. Stuart Armstrong is out. Armstrong might have started. Stevens most likely wouldn't have. Gineppo and Redmond should be back from there for them. Southampton have had a, a strange season thus far. They started off badly. And they looked like potential relegation father, it must be said, which wouldn't have been a surprise considering how uneven their last two seasons have been. Season before last, they were dreadful to begin the year, absolutely shocking to begin the year. And after 17 games, they were in the bottom three. Now, they ended the season in 11th because they had a good second half of the season. And you thought maybe they'll kick on from there. But last season, quite the opposite. Started really well got up to sixth at one point, but then went on a dreadful run, won only two of 16 games, ended up in 17th before bouncing back at the end of the season to finish 15th. This season, because this is how Southampton are, they started terribly, and through the first seven games, they didn't win any, and they were 17th. Then they won three of four, and you thought, okay, turning the corner again, getting back on track, then they lose to Norwich. So they're currently sitting in 13th place. There is a good squad of players there. It's just a small squad of players. That's the biggest issue um, that Hasenhutl faces. Is he doesn't really have a whole bunch of options. He does have question marks over the goalkeeper, Alex McCarthy, not playing well. And he said himself last year he didn't know who was better, him or Fraser Forster. So potentially Forster comes back in for this one, even though McCarthy's been... First choice all year. He's got three good fullbacks in Tino Livermento, Roman Perot, and Kyle Walker-Peters. You would expect it would be Livermento plus one. Walker-Peters has played more at left-back this season than at right-back. And he's also got a young, talented left-back called Thierry Small, who hasn't played in the Premier League yet, but is a big talent that Everton were very stupid to allow to, to leave. At centre-back, he's got Three options with Stevens out. He's got his starters, Bednarak and Salisu. He's got Leanko, who's a good backup option for him. You'd probably want one more in there just for an extra bit of depth. But centre-back's pretty fine. Full-back's pretty good situation. They probably need a better goalkeeper than either of the two they have. Either of them would make good backup goalkeepers. Neither of them are ideal if you want to, you know, do pretty well in the Premier League. Um, in midfield, they've only got three players. They've got Romeo and Ward-Prowse, who are the starters, and they've got Diallo as a depth option. They've looked better with Diallo in the team than Ward-Prowse this season, but Ward-Prowse is the captain and he will start. He is a good player, obviously. It's just the balance with Romeo and Diallo looks a bit better. They could probably do one in there. In the line behind the strikers, because they play that box midfield, that 4-2-2-2, where... The two, the in-between two, if we call them that, the two attacking midfielders drop out and become wingers off the ball. He has, again, he has some good options there. 
Gineppo's very talented, if inconsistent. El Yanassi is talented, but inconsistent. They've got Stuart Armstrong, who can play in that role. They've got Nathan Redmond, who can play that role. They've got Theo Walcott, who can play that role. None of these are... Redmond's a good player. Redmond's a good player, but he's infuriating. Armstrong's a good player, if a little limited. Theo Walcott, you probably wouldn't want in your squad, regardless. I do quite like Nathan Thella, young player that they have there. I think he's got promise, though. He is 22. You want to see a bit more from him by now. Um, they'll get Will Smallbone more and more minutes as the weeks go by. He's a he's a talented player just coming back from a bad injury. Up front, they've got three. Che Adams, Adam Armstrong, and um, Armando Broya, the loanee from Chelsea. All very different. The pairing of Broya and Adam Armstrong is one I'm curious to see this season. We haven't seen it yet for an entire game. It's been Adams plus one. And it's kind of understandable. He is the, the more senior striker there. He's the one with the most Premier League experience. He's been at the club the longest. But I'd like to see Armstrong and Broya play, and I'd like to see what they could do. But this is a, a decent team, and like I've gone through, there's, there's decent depth in most places. You could probably look and point a few more holes than I have, but I think you give them a better goalkeeper and a couple of good squad pieces, and I think it'd be uh, they'd be a threat for top half. I think they've got a good manager in Hasenhutl, who is obviously very dogmatic in how he sets his team up. He wants them to play a certain way, and at times he can be a little bit naive and stick too hard to what he wants to play. But if you look at what he's done in his career, um, he got promoted with Allen, got promoted with Ingolstadt, did well at Leipzig when he was there for two years. In his first season there, I think they finished second. And then they finished sixth in his second season. Um, let me just confirm that. Yes, second in his first season, which, remember, was their first season in the Bundesliga. They had just been promoted. He took over and got them to second. Dropped off the next season, finished sixth. Naby wasn't quite as ridiculously good in the second season as he had been in the first season. That first season, he was disgustingly good. It was obscene what he was doing. Him and Thiago Alcantara were the two best midfielders in the Bundesliga that season. Sabitzer was great that year. Werner had an outstanding first season at the club. Forsberg was a problem for everybody. Defensively, they were very strong. The second season, they had some injuries. Naby wasn't quite at the same level. Werner scored more goals, I believe, but didn't have the same kind of impact game to game. Um, sorry, he scored less goals in the Bundesliga, the same amount overall. But they were also blooding in some young players. He left then and took a few months off, turned up at Southampton. And so far, look, it hasn't gone brilliantly. 36% win rate. Yet to put together a full, a good full season. He's had two very mixed seasons. When he took them over, they looked like they could go down. So he did well to keep them up after the mess that had been at the club before he, he came into town. I mean, they were an absolute shambles when he took over. Mark Hughes was the manager and Mark Hughes should never be the manager. When Hasenhutl took them over, 
they were 19th, I believe. Um, they ended up finishing the season in 16th. He kept them up just about now by the skin of their teeth. Wasn't all that impressive. Um, five points ahead of a very bad Cardiff team. But he did keep them up. And you thought he'll build on this and, and things will go well. They start the next season horrendously, get that hammering by by Leicester. Then he turned around and for, for nearly a full calendar year, they were quite good. And then they fell apart second half of last season. And like I said earlier, this season's been mixed. So they are inconsistent. They're hard to predict. It'll be interesting to see how we react to their press because they are, after us and Man City, probably the best pressing team in the league. Should be a good game. 3 p.m. kickoff on a Saturday is always a, a bit of a weird one. We've got a bunch of those coming up. We also play Wolves at 3 p.m. on a Saturday and Aston Villa at 3 p.m. on a Saturday. I don't remember the last time we played three Saturdays, Saturdays in a row at 3 p.m. Genuinely don't. Now, I know we've got Everton in the week to break up the run and we have a Champions League game against Milan as well, but 3 p.m. on Saturdays. You don't usually see a team as good as Liverpool scheduled for 3 p.m. on a Saturday that often. I seem to remember us going nearly an entire season without having one under Jurgen Klopp. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, to jump around the main Liverpool sites, obviously lots of um, pre-match chat. Jurgen Klopp's press conference was today. And Joanna Durkin has put together the five key things to take away from the press conference. There is a piece about Harvey Elliott. Uh, and his um, recovery, written by Dr. Rajpal Brar, who is the at3cb performance on Twitter. So do check that one out. Give that a quick read. Um, Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool women unite to lace up and speak up is another piece written by Joanna, which is very, very good. Uh, it starts, unity is strength and Liverpool Football Club are united in creating a welcoming environment for all and supporting LGBTQ plus inclusion in sport and wider society. This year's Rainbow Laces campaign is called Lace Up and Speak Up, which focuses on starting the conversation and supporting LGBTQ plus inclusion across the sporting industry. Uh, both Jordan Henderson and Nee Fahey, captain of the women's team, will wear the rainbow armband in the next home game, which is against Southampton for the men, obviously, and then Charlton for the women on December 19th. So that's a good piece. Uh, Joanna does write some really good stuff. So give those a quick read when you get a chance. On Liverpool.com, uh, Jurgen Klopp write on Andy Robertson as Liverpool boss makes insane Ralph Hasenhutl claim. That's by Matt Addison. There is a piece about Thiago. Reds send scouts to watch £20 million playmaker as Reds make best offer for Chelsea Ford. This is the Media Digest piece. Uh, Ralph Hasenhutl loves Jurgen Klopp. We know that. He is the Alpine Klopp. It's a name he does enjoy. We saw how much it meant to him when he got a good result against us before. Uh, Rafinha price tag revealed. Leeds were asking for a fee of 60 million, according to the mass spoofer Fabrizio Romano, who knows nothing and should be ignored. Uh, 
El Nacional, that wonderful outlet in Catalonia who seem to think they know the ingoings and outgoings of all Premier League clubs, have said that Liverpool would have the best offer for Christian Pulisic and then Reds in battle for Wonder Kids. This £20 million playmaker is Agabu Kamara. Now, he only moved to Olympiacos in the summer, so I have no idea if Liverpool would have real interest in trying to buy him in January, but maybe he is one for next summer. He certainly started fairly well, having moved from Lille. And the one thing you can be certain about with Lille is their talent identification is outstanding. Now, for them to let him go was a bit of a strange one, but it could have been something to do with contracts. You just don't know. Maybe he wanted to go somewhere where he would play more. He's obviously a Ghanaian national team player, so you could probably bet money that Nabi Keita is his hero given that Naby is the best Ghanaian player of all time. Uh, but Guinea, to their credit, while they don't have a whole lot defensively, and goalkeeper is definitely not their strong point, and you wouldn't really want any of the attackers, they do produce a good midfielder. Amadou Diawara is a quality player. He hasn't necessarily always shown it at Roma, but he is a quality player. Madi Kamara, who's at like uh, Olympiacos as well, is a very, very good box-to-box midfield player. Really aggressive, good ball winner, powerful runner through midfield. He'd be an interesting squad uh, squad piece for us. And then Kamara. So they do have, you know, you could probably put together a really good diamond midfield out of the four of them with, with Diawara, Deepest, Nabi, and Kamara as the, the engine of it, and um, Agabu as the, the ten. You wouldn't have much behind them or in front of them. But look, it, it could be interesting. They've also got Iliax Mariba, um, the young kid that came through at Barcelona, who is now at Leipzig, hasn't really featured a whole lot for Leipzig as yet. But he's super talented. And he's decided he's going to play for Guinea too. So that's, you know, that's really exciting for them to have five really good midfielders. And two of them be so young in Mariba and um, and Agabu Kamara. Looking up for Guinea. Maybe Naby won't be getting flogged forever while he's on, on national team duty. Wouldn't that be nice? If Naby could just go on international duty and we didn't have to worry about him coming back with like all his muscles ripped off the bone. That would be great. Um, Liverpool could sign 11-goal Borussia Dortmund slayer following in Cristiano Ronaldo's footsteps. This is a piece about a really, really good player. Pedro Concalves plays in a 3-4-2-1 as one of the two behind the striker, tucked in on the right-hand side, sometimes plays as a 10 behind two strikers. Um, I think in our team, he's probably the left one in a front three, but he's a really good finisher. For all the good that Wolves have done in identifying Portuguese players, this is one they missed badly on. They bought him, had him in the academy for a year, had him around the first team for a year, never gave him a real opportunity. He played one game in the League Cup and a couple in, you know, friendlies and whatever else. They binned him off. He went back to Portugal and he's just gone up and up and up since being there. Uh, really good for Familicao. And then brilliant for Sporting last year. 23 goals in 32 games to help them win the league. This season he started well. 
four and seven in the league, eleven and fourteen in all competitions. He has had some injuries, and that's a little bit of a concern. But under Ruben Amarin, who should very much be on everybody's wish list of people to potentially replace Klopp in a few years, if Klopp does go in 2024, this guy should be high on the list of everybody uh, when it comes to to potential replacements. He's a really special manager. He's done brilliantly at Braga and now at Sporting. Um, and Concalves is the key to his whole thing. The absolute key. He is a sensational player. And one that is definitely worth Liverpool keeping an eye on. So would definitely be in favour of the Reds looking to bring in him. I don't think the price would be obscene. You could be looking at in around the 45 million range. But I think he's a... He's a big-time goal scorer who's only going to get better and better. That's me for today then, folks. That is all we have. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the weekend. Hopefully, we have three points to celebrate. Before I go, actually, I should really point out that Anfield Index has a bunch of stuff, shouldn't I? Considering that's the whole purpose. Uh, On AnfieldIndex.com. Stephen Smith has a really good piece up entitled, Thank You, Arsenal. And it's just, you know, it's obviously looking a little bit at the 4-0 victory at the weekend, but also looking back at probably the best performance of the Brendan Rodgers era, which was the 5-1 victory over Arsenal at Anfield when Suarez was absolutely obscenely good, didn't score, probably the best performance I've ever seen by a striker who didn't score a goal. He was just ridiculous. He absolutely tormented them and he nearly broke. The, the post with a shot uh, off the uh, the corner, if you remember. Uh, just listen to this Liverpool team, though, and think about how far we've come. It starts off really badly, and then it's, it gets really good towards the end. So you've got Mignolet in goal, John Flanagan at right back, Ali Sissoko at left back, Colo Toure, Martin Skirtle. That was the goalkeeper in back line. Then you had Jordan Henderson, the very tail end of Steven Gerrard. Then you have Phil Coutinho, Raheem Sterling, Luis Suarez, and Daniel Sturridge. That front four, that is sensational. That is ridiculous. Especially the front three. I mean, Phil was Phil, but that front three... Sterling, Suarez and Sturridge, if they'd all been able to stay fit and if Suarez hadn't left for Barca, obviously, I do wonder how the following season would have gone. I really do. Because the level Suarez was at was just unlike anything I've ever seen. Even compared to Mo, I think Suarez was still uh, was still better. Sterling was just beginning to emerge as a, a top-end player. Sturridge was ridiculous. You'd Phil pulling the strings behind them, Gerard dictating things from midfield. Obviously, it was the end of Gerard, and he was nowhere close to what he had been before. A young, energetic Henderson with the ability to cover every single blade of grass. Imagine if they'd had a real defence behind them. Like, without being mean... Mignolet, Flanagan, Sissoko, Toure and Skirtle, especially Colo at that point in his career, that would struggle in the Championship, let alone the Premier League. And somehow we almost won the league because that attack in particular, that fellow from Uruguay, were just 
obnoxiously good. Obnoxiously good. And Arsenal got the spanking of a lifetime that day. I will leave it there, folks. Listen to the podcast that we've got out. We've got a bunch of new podcasts today that have to be listened to. They are absolutely outstanding. Rival Recon with Harry Setti looking ahead to the Southampton game, joined by Dan Hargreaves. Nina back on Euro Incision with Themis to talk about Porto. The new Molby on the spot is brilliant. Trev and Jan, you have to give that one a listen. Jan is always good value and, I mean, you can never go go wrong listening to Mr. Downey. And then Mo Chatra with Money Talks. So he had Martin Calladine on, whose ugly game on Twitter. He's a really good follow on Twitter. I didn't realize he was doing this pod with Mo. He is the one that broke the story about City and this crypto nonsense. Uh, so do give that one a listen. Guy's giving me a little heads up on some of the stuff in it. He says it's absolutely must listen. So give that one a listen. Money Talks with Mo Chatra. Crypto Crikey, uh, Martin Caladine, the guest. Brilliant stuff. There is a scouted recorded for Southampton. Should be out by the time you're listening to this one. And that's it. We will have Raw and the Nina Kaiser show after the game on Saturday. Um, I think it's Harry and Jim or Harry and Mo. Let me just check. For I think you. it's Mo. It is Mo. Yeah, you are correct. It is Mo. Harry and Mo joining Trev on Raw this weekend. So give that one a listen as well. And obviously check out the Nina Kaiser show. If you want to call in live to the Nina Kaiser show, you can do that using the Anfield Index Discord or whatever other way uh, they can do things. But I think it is just through the Discord. Um, And that's it. That's the show. Right, we've gone long. Take care of yourselves. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.